From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The citizens' effort on dis mandatory disclosures concluded with the measure repealed. City Manager Roy Watt spoke on that while on... We at the city, we value tax equity, right? So we made the argument uh, to the Assembly, and the Assembly passed an ordinance um, that required disclosure. And fundamentally, um, fairness is important to us. Uh, that we charge people fairly. So property owner A pays their fair share, property owner B, and right on down the line. And we can't do that unless we have good information. We got objection from that, uh, particularly from people in the uh, realtor community. And they, had, they made a different philosophical argument and they said, hey, people's personal financial information is private and privacy is important. Watt spoke to where the city will go from here. We are always asking people for information. And the, uh, the assessor, you know, put yourself in the assessor's shoes. They've got to uh, figure out value for I, I, it's something like 12 or 14,000 different properties every year as of January 1st. We just sent out a mailer asking for uh, information. Um, and, and to the extent people uh, can help give us property sale information, um, or, or property valuation information of any kind, uh, then we can tax people more fairly. That's uh, plain and simple what our goal is. The Assembly is meeting tonight. Here's what with what to expect. We have uh, the, the two uh, geotechnical engineers that tromped all over the hillside during the landslide in Gastineau Avenue. We're going to be giving them a special uh, recognition, so that was really helpful. Uh, we're moving some funds around, uh, keeping a couple uh, capital projects going. Um, we've got the uh, Board of Equalization Rules of Procedure. We've uh, introducing uh, an ordinance on that, and that's, uh, that's all about, you know, we sort of talked earlier about tax value and how that works. Relatively light agenda on Monday. And explain the plan with the new gondola at Eagle Crest. We are really close towards an agreement where uh, Gold Belt will provide CBJ with $10 million to install the gondola and get it up and running. And we have a draft revenue sharing agreement where they would get paid back. Uh, I think it's a good deal for everybody. We'll be giving the assembly an update on uh, November 28th on that. I think we're getting really close. Um, you know, and frankly, we need Gold Belt, and I'm glad that they came forward and uh, asked to be involved. Juno City Manager Rory Watt. Representatives from the Riverview Senior Living Facility joined Dano on Capital Chat to talk about the project. Carrie Push is the Community Relations Director, and she explained Riverview. Riverview Senior Living is a, an assisted living and memory care community being built here in Juneau. We plan to open in early spring. We have 58 one-bedroom and studio apartments in our assisted living, and we have 29 private and shared apartments in our memory care unit. We are a community of inclusion, dignity, and respect for all of our residents. And along with that, we'll have a lot of amenities to keep our residents engaged, having fun. Daniel Powell is the executive director to why this was needed. So a recent survey by Juno Commission on Aging indicates our senior population right at at about 30%. In addition, that number one request by the seniors is to have the ability to age in place. They want to stay in their hometown. They want to stay within local. Uh, Riverview will provide that option. The facility will accommodate 99 total residents, Powell said when it's set to open. 
We are on target to open in spring of 2023. Once the new year hits, we will be able to narrow down the date to a specific month, but most likely April. And then once we stay in contact with Dawson, we'll get the exact date out to the public. Both said the goal is to improve seniors' quality of life. Juno Gun Range Manager Dan Palika talked about the annual turkey shoot over the weekend. Three different locations. There's the fishing game indoor range here where we're doing a 22 revolver shoot. On this side, the Juno Archery Club is doing a bow shoot. And then up at the Shotgun Club, they have four different events up there. So both the Archery Club and the revolver side, we are giving away a turkey every half hour and a gift card. So the turkey goes to the top score from that previous half hour and then everybody that comes in and shoots goes into the pot for the gift card so everybody that walks in the door has a chance to win something. The event's put on by the Juno Gun Club, Alaska Department of Fish and Game, and Juno Archery Club, as well as the Juno Shooting Sports Foundation. Palika said he's been involved with the turkey shoot for 15 years. He spoke to where the money from purchased raffle tickets will go. Most of the money goes towards targets and ammo and the guns and things like that and to buying the turkeys and the gift cards. And then if there is any money left over that goes to different youth shooting sports in Juneau. And spoke to the large amount of youth that was at Saturday's turkey shoot. Juno has a air rifle team in both middle schools and both high schools have an air rifle team, a youth trap team at the shotgun club. Juno Rifle Pistol Club has a couple youth teams. Every sixth grader in Juno goes through the Alaska Department of Fishing Game Hunter Ed Pro. A lot of youth that shoot in Juno. Later that night on Saturday, the trail mix auction and dinner was at Centennial Hall. Mark Putch, trail mix board president, talked about the return of being in person. Tonight is our annual dinner auction. It's our major fundraising event for our trail mix organization, which is a nonprofit. We've been around since 1993, so it's our 29th year. For the last two years, of course, we've had COVID and the pandemic, so we've been doing kind of all virtually our auction, but we're really excited tonight to be in person and see all our supporters, just everyone out and about. It's, it's really gonna be a nice feeling. Butch said how it felt to have the community celebrate their efforts of maintaining trails. Oh, it's an awesome feeling because, you know, Juno, we're the, Trailmix is kind of the stewards of Juno's trails. And, you know, we, we take that seriously and we like to make sure the trails are safe, well-maintained, and that people get outside and enjoy them because that's really, you know, kind of the heartbeat of Juno is getting on trails. I think we have a world-class trail system and it's continuing to grow and get better. And explained how their auctions worked. We have what we call the silent auction items, and those are items that are displayed all over on the tables there. And we have an app that runs through the phone called Handbid, and so all these auction items are on our, the app that we have under the Trail Mix auction. And so individuals can sign up for the app and then review all the items we have listed and submit a bid. So that's kind of our silent auction. The other couple of things we have is a dessert auction. That's kind of a live dessert auction. So some of the, our generous members have donated cakes. Being auctioned off tonight is another way to raise some money. And then we have what we call our live auction, which kind of is more specialized donated gifts and uh, features and events. And After the break, we'll get you the latest report on Alaska's job numbers. Stay tuned. 
And we're back. You're listening to News of the North. A new state labor department report says Alaska had about 6,100 more jobs last month than in October of last year, but that most industries had not regained pre-pandemic job levels. The report says Alaska had about 316,900 non-farm jobs in October. That compares to 310,800 in October of 2021 and 327,000 in October of 2019. Most industries posted gains compared to October of last year. The leisure and hospitality industry had about 2,900 more jobs last, last month than a year earlier. The report says local demand for food and drink and visitor demand for travel and accommodation picked up from last year. The other major gainer, the trade, transportation, and utilities sector, had about 2,200 more jobs than a year ago. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan, a member of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, criticized some of his committee colleagues in a hearing Wednesday, saying they enabled predatory trial lawyers to charge sick Marines exorbitant fees in court cases related to water contamination at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Predatory law firms charging exorbitant fees have engaged in aggressive marketing campaigns to include, but not limited to, television advertisements, social media, digital marketing campaigns targeting veterans through sponsored content. Therefore, be it resolved, they are asking us for serious oversight with regard to these unscrupulous lawyers on the Camp Lejeune Justice Act. Sullivan spoke at the hearing, saying this could have been avoided. Here's why it could have been avoided. The Biden administration... To its credit, the technical assistance from the Department of Justice to the Biden administration warning us that this was going to happen in saying, if you don't cap the contingency fees on these unscrupulous lawyers, they're going to get all the money. Inefficient delivery will be costly for service members. This is Biden administration, Justice Department, as well as the federal government. It went on to explain how they thought there should be a 2% fee cap for filing paperwork, and a 10% contingency cap for trial orders. That was the Biden administration. Senator Inhofe had a bill to do that. My Democratic colleagues blocked it. So what's happening? The trial lawyers are making millions and billions, and sick Marines are going to get crumbs. Senator Sullivan announced he will soon introduce legislation protecting Marines and their families. Investigators say four people are dead after a fiery plane crash Friday northeast of Seattle. The Seattle Times reports that authorities on Saturday confirmed four people died in the crash. First responders initially reported that two people had died. Sonomish County Sheriff's Office spokesperson Courtney O'Keefe says additional examination of the wreckage with help from the County Medical Examiner's Office confirmed the deaths. The Federal Aviation Administration has said the single-engine Cessna 208B crashed in a field Friday morning. The FAA's website says the aircraft was owned by Copper Mountain Aviation of Alaska. The National Transportation Safety Board and the FAA are investigating. Family and Community Engagement Specialist for Clinton and Haida, Jenny Brown, is spreading the word of a community food drive that goes on until November 30th. So 
the name of the drive is Wushchi'in, or it's holding each other up. So I've been doing this for the month of November because I know that usually Southeast Alaska Food Banks usually asks for donations before Thanksgiving, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I know that Helping Hands is closing down, so I wanted to make sure that there was going to be enough for the people that they serve in the community of Juneau. It comes from things that I've heard President Richard Peterson of Clinton Haida, I've always heard him say, let's meet our citizens where they're at. So it's not only helping our tribal citizens, but it's helping the community of Juneau. Brown spoke to where to drop off food. The drop-off locations are at the Edward K. Thomas building at 9097 Glacier Highway, and then Generation Southeast, which used to be known as our VTRC building at 3239 Hospital Drive. And then the last drop-off location is the Andrew Hope Building downtown at 320 West Willoughby Avenue. I'm doing the drive through the month of November. And what food they are looking for. A request from them for the following donation items, which is tuna fish, tomato sauce, mixed vegetables, soups, canned corn, mac and cheese, canned fruits, noodles, diced tomatoes, canned chicken, cereal, jelly, chili, spaghetti sauce, pastas, canned beans, top ramen, and peanut butter. Jenny Brown of Clinkin and Haida. Sally Schlichting is the artistic director for Climate Soundscapes, a musical project on the science of climate change that was presented this weekend. She talked about the three-year process. So the composers individually were kind of mulling the idea over and looking at the scientific research that each of these scientists had to offer and trying to consider how they could write a piece of music around it. It was challenging for some of them and they hit roadblocks and they stopped writing and pandemic happened and some of them kept writing and some of them didn't and it was just it was a challenge to try and translate scientific research into a musical work of art. Todd Hunt compose glacial pathways. So glaciers as they melt, carry nutrients, you know, from their meltwater downstream, you know, down through the river into the estuary that uh, feeds the ecosystem, you know, down there. And, whoa, what happens if we don't have that transmission of nutrients? It's like, and my piece kind of explores that. It looks at uh, the glacier and how it, it melts and calves and then sends nutrients out, and then the system breaks down. Ty Wolverton also created a piece about glaciers. We start with pure colors, and then we introduced gray. But as sediments dropped, I took those gray colors and brought them back and it actually f makes you feel as a listener like you go on a journey you're up you're you're part of the water up in suicide basin go from suicide basin and down to being trapped in the glacier itself and then being surged into the lake and then trapped in there until you surge down the lake and drop the sediments below and that's the kind of journey i wanted the listener to also take 
Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.